All right, everyone, welcome to Tonecast 83. We're trying to make it to 100 here. Marco, how are you today? Good. I'm doing good. I'm excited to get closer to 100. Yes, we, we slacked off for, for quite a while. I think we started the Tonecast in 2017, I believe. So we're, we're struggling to get to, to 100, but it's been, it's been good to get back into it. And, and we're jumping into a lot of interviews here over the next uh, couple of weeks. And we've got uh, Sean Farley of Guitarly's up today. We'll get to that interview in just a minute. But uh, I'm excited to talk to him. He's been one of our dealers for quite a while. And he's kind of a versatile, versatile guy. He does all sorts of different stuff. We'll get into all the different things that he does. But not only does he do singer-songwriter stuff, he repairs guitars and he makes guitars. So he's, he's kind of like us, right? All things guitar all the time. So I'm excited for that conversation. And I think maybe as we, as we go here, we're going to let you in on a little bit of the challenges that we've had. Um, mm-hmm. we've, we, we were talking about momentum in the shop a couple of weeks ago. And then, of course, when you talk about something, then you have a, you know, a test, a life test to see if you can push through. So we, we, had, we created probably three videos worth of content uh, last week, and we had a buzz in our microphone. So now, now we, we have all the stuff we have to throw away and start over again. So we're right in the middle of trying to, to uh, solve this issue. So that's where we're at right now. But I think that's, that's good for us to kind of overcome those challenges, right? Yeah, and that's like something we're so used to doing here in the shop is just like, oh, that's a, a hurdle that came up. Well, let's see how we can uh, navigate around it. And luckily our podcast setup is nice and streamlined because we've been chipping away at it and, you know, baby steps building up. So you know, luckily we can still get some content out and do some cool podcasts. So, you know, I'm excited to talk to Sean too. I know that I remember seeing his name on the build sheet and sometimes with some interesting things. And I know that I have one thing in particular that I'm excited to bring up. So excellent. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're going to grill him. But yeah, we've got, uh, we've got new Firebird pickups that we've been playing with in the shop. Um, we have them loaded in a Gretsch and been making some videos of that. If you follow us on Instagram, you can just find us at Porter Pickups. You can see the scratch. It's kind of a, I think it's like a sparkle mint color. It looks like kind of a seafoam green, I guess, from the photo. But it's it's got the minis in there. We're actually featuring the project that we did. We converted the staple P90s to, to mini humbuckers, which are actually our Firebirds that are going to be released through the custom shop here pretty soon. So we've got a video of that project, and you can hear how they sound uh, on the Instagram page right now. So if you're hearing this, go ch- go to the Instagram page, check out the Firebirds, and We'll probably do a full episode, I think, a podcast episode on the Firebirds, just kind of walking through what we like, sharing some sound files. But but maybe what do you like about the Firebirds that kind of you experience in this guitar? Well, and I can remember building Firebirds on like you know one-off basis here and there, and but never really having the opportunity to to sit down and hear them. And and it's awesome to have a guitar now and one, especially with quite a bit of mojo to uh, showcase the the sound, but also something that is not. You know, it's a Firebird pickup, but we didn't just throw it in some random Firebird or whatever. We wanted something unique to showcase the versatility of, of these pickups as well, you know. So it's like that mini humbucker sound. So it's like a tiny little humbucker, but it's super beefed up. And I think that, you know, there's aspects of it that are kind of P90E and, you know, like a, a beefed up mini humbucker and definitely a, a need in the in the market, so to speak. So I, I think... Uh, you know, definitely should check out the tones and, you know, tell us what you think about them. Yeah. And we had a comment on Instagram, just, uh, someone was saying, oh, that's really cool that they're in a, in a semi hollow instead of in a traditional solid body firebird, 
because um, they're called Firebirds because they're associated with that guitar, but they're also different inside, obviously, with the construction. So I've liked it as a uh, cool way to balance that guitar. It's got a little bit of punch, but it still still stays pretty clean, I think, as you play through it. it's not. They're definitely not muddy. I think the pickups that were in there, which were kind of the fake staple P90s, were a little bit muddier. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we've we've kind of fixed that with that specific guitar and it keeps getting more interesting as we play. There's a lot of tones hiding in there. Yeah, for sure. No, no joke. And it just, you know, goes to show some of the stuff that the custom shop is capable of and, you know, just reach out to us and let's see if we can make something cool happen. And, you know, that's just one platform, but there's obviously a lot of things that we can change about the platform, you know, and, you know, just reach out to us and we, we're excited to make cool stuff to put in cool guitars. So definitely. And we've got a couple shootout videos coming. We actually filmed them. That, that was a, at the, pre, <laughs> the previously mentioned uh, struggles. We had, again, we had a shootout video and more of a, we're kind of going a different flavor with the shootout videos. We're going more of a, here's, here's one reason why you might like this set versus this set. So that's kind of what we're doing. We're featuring a lot of shop guitars and kind of the sounds and the tones of the different shop guitars. So we'll have more of that coming to keep a keep a track on our YouTube channel um, once we figure out why things are buzzing like crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> after many successful videos and all of a sudden this pops up. The gremlins in the shop, I guess you could say. Yeah, it can never be perfectly smooth. Never. We, we uh, maneuver around it. So uh, We were very efficient though when we did yeah. record them <laughs> and, then, and then we had nothing to show for it, but that's okay. Yeah. It's, it's part of the game. So we're going to jump into that interview with Sean right now of Guitarly's. Let's check it out. All right, we're joined by Sean Farley of Guitarly's. Sean, how are you today, man? I'm doing good, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. Well, Sean is is a uh, a man of many trades, a jack of many trades, I would say, um, or Sean of many trades, I guess we could say. <laughs> Sean is a is a dealer of our pickups, um, and he does all sorts of stuff. But I think that. It's probably best for for him to to let us know uh, what he does and in all the different things and all the different hats that you wear. Yeah, well, um, in an attempt to not get like a real real job, um, you know, I've I've expanded upon being a musician and tried to uh, tried to spread around the workload, and uh, so I, I uh, well, I, I should say I, I kind of joke now during or post COVID, whatever wherever we're at with that. Uh, that I used to be a touring, a nationally touring musician. Um, that has certainly trimmed back quite a bit, um, but I'm still playing all the time. Uh, and then I opened up a guitar repair shop after going to the Roberto Vecchio uh, School of Luthery. So, you know, I do a lot of uh, bench time repair restoration work. I try to get out a couple custom builds every year and uh, play music on the weekends. Um, you know, a lot of that has changed. That landscape is different. Um, but you know, still have my shop and still building and still playing and trying to figure everything out. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's super cool. I'm hi, uh, I'm Mark O'Brien's uh, co-pilot, Sean, uh, nice to meet you. I can uh, remember yeah. seeing your name on our build sheet. Um, I've been building with Brian for a while and you've always had some fun stuff that we send your way. But, uh, I, I think it's really cool that, you know, that, that is what you do and you've managed to you know, in an effort to not get a real job, you know, cause that, that is kind of, you know, who I want to be, or that's something that, you know, and I'm sure that there's a lot of people out there that are like, okay, I, I have this like bass in guitar, but like in this day and age, you have to kind of, you know, 
sharpen all your other facets to to kind of make it viable and and you have to be able to you know teach and repair slightly or you know at least yeah. help little billy across the street change his guitar strings you know um so i i you know it's cool to be able to ch- chat with you and you know hear hear more about what it is you do yeah like i said trying to be a musician the whole time is a bit of a grind and uh you know the the odds of getting to hit you know it's just uh <laughs> you know that, that that's low but um i think with with gigs i would schedule about 200 gigs per year um and then i knew what money was going to come in at least and then that kind of takes pressure off the shop uh and the shop makes makes uh you know i have a, a good base of customers and you know if you do bench bench repair time is you're kind of getting paid a lot per hour if you're if you're good once you have your tools paid off and you have got good systems and, uh, you know, I, I remember it used to take me like an hour and a half to do a level crown and polish. I could probably do that in 30 minutes now, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, so what, you know, once you, uh, that, that bench time, it doesn't take too many hours in here to help fill out, you know, sort of a, an annual salary between the two that, that, you know, you kind of want, um, but you don't want to go to the office building that you'd have to go to, to get that. Yeah. I love, I love how you phrase that whole, like, don't want to get a real job. Because I think that's been yeah. a, like not that this is not a real job and not like a lot of headaches, right? Trying to piece all oh, these yeah. <laughs> piece all these things together, but maybe yeah. talk about uh, talk about kind of. So it sounds like you were were doing musician stuff first, is that correct? And then you got into guitar repair. Is that is that yep, right? Yep, yep. Uh, I've been you know obsessed with. I was playing a wooden spoon, I guess, when I was three, <laughs> according to my mom. So. Um, you know, I've been obsessed with that for a long time and I've, uh, I've been, you know, studying music probably since middle school, you know, I'm 38 now. So, you know, I'm kind of getting that like 30 to 25 year range of actually playing guitar on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. Um, and I've just, that's, what's always done the most for me. That's what I get the most out of doing. Um, and so I was doing that, uh, uh, and then through college, I started working at a microbrewery, you know, just to sort of make ends meet. And I remember uh, one one time, uh, I think I was probably, well, I was, I was like 27 when I went to Roberto Ben. But I just was behind the bar, you know, and I was like, I just need to learn something new. It was this really weird moment. It was this, un- I was instantly unsettled in life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like this existential, like, crossroads here. And, and I, I was like, you know, I didn't get to go to school for music like I wanted to because, um, you know, one of my parents worked at a, a really good liberal arts school and they were like, you know, just you can go to this school for free or, you know, you can go mm-hmm. to Berkeley and waste your money. <laughs> and, you know, so um, I, I, I went down, I went that path and then I knew I wanted to go back to school. So I was like, it's got to be music based this time. I don't think I want to go, you know, to a full music school like experience. And I found like Musicians Institute, um, MI, you know, they were like a two year associate that would focus on guitar. And then you could pick two electives. Mm -hmm. And one of those electives that they offered was guitar fabrication. And the second I saw that, it was like the light went off. And I was like, that would be the coolest thing in the world to be able to make my own guitar. Um, cause at, at that time I was playing like modern Fender products. I was, uh-huh. I had a, uh, you know, a not hand wired Fender Princeton. Um, you know, I had a, a, an American Strat with a custom neck, you know, Ooh. and, uh, you know, so I, I had like that kind of stuff and I, I always felt kind of my tonal scope was limited to what the 
board members or what the shareholders um, at, at Fender um, w- would would make the most money off of, you know. And I always I, I liked sculpture, I liked drawing, I liked you know playing at my dad's wood shop when I was a kid. So once I once I decided that guitar making uh, was what I was going to do, then I, I, I looked for the best school. I would look at the the instructors portfolios of what they had built and roberto van was the clear decision um once i started seeing you know um what 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 those teachers made uh i was like well i'll never be able to make some of that stuff so i want to go learn from guys that i could never beat um, no matter how hard i tried so um you know william eaton who's the head instructor there he makes like these harp guitars you know that are just they, I, I don't know how you make them work, and they're they're incredible. Um, so, but I, I went there and uh, decided I wanted to open up the business. I mean, I didn't suck at that school. I kind of graduated with a, a pretty high grade, and um, you know, made an extra guitar, which really taught me a lot uh, being on my own. And I just wanted to grow this side business that would keep me in touch with the music scene. Um, it would provide a day job that would be flexible for me, and I'd still have guitars in my hand all day. I'd be constantly learning more about the instrument itself and connecting with the musicians, um, you know, in the region. Yeah, that's cool. And so, so, so kind of fast forward after you got done with Roberto Van and then to kind of this, this balancing act that you're, you're doing now with, um, the, these multiple arms, like what is a what is a good way that you kind of, uh, I don't know your average, maybe what your average week looks like. I know that it's never predictable in this business, but kind of how do you, how do you manage like the guitar repairs that are coming in and, and setting up gigs and, and kind of just talk through maybe what the average week looks like for you? Yeah. So, you know, it was funny when I was out there and I was about to graduate, I was like, oh man, I really want to open my own shop. I, I kind of didn't want to go apprentice someone. And it, that was probably for financial reasons. Like I can't, you know, I was 27. I went back to being a student, you know, and I was like, I'm borrowing money to do this. I'm you know, I'm not, I wasn't able to earn an income out there. That that school is 50 hours a week um, in class in Phoenix in an open air wood shop. You know, there's no, there's no working on the weekends. And it was hard to crack into the music scene there in like the, the six, seven months that, that, that you're there for the school. But so I knew I was like, I think I could open my own shop. I can go back and service the people that I already know. I, I had a, a really good reputation in my area. It's kind of a, smallish medium-sized town but i kind of you know i kind of have the run of it um from just being in the music scene and being nice i guess so but i knew i'd go back and have my best shot at like opening and starting a really really niche business like here and um you know i i got back and i started scheduling gigs the nice thing about the gig work is i can i can plan six months ahead and I can look at the minimum amount of money that I'll be able to make minus a, a double booking here and there or, you know, a, a snowstorm canceling a gig. But the nice thing is the music can be projected. That income can, I mean, I, I could fill the whole year up if I sit down at a calendar, mm. um, you know, which you, you kind of do every two months. You like shoot out gigs, you grab five from someone, you fill your calendar, and then you go around to some people that are flexible and fill in the cracks. And then people call you about private parties and, I hosted an open mic night every single week, which was like Mm. sort of, I don't know, that covered like the rent, you know? Um, I also, when I moved back, I had a a guy build me a fancy little shop downtown with an apartment right in the back of it. So I had like the ultimate bachelor pad. I'd literally walk through one door and I was at work. Um, So that helped balance everything. Um, 
but I remember when I first opened, I got this rush of work and, uh, and then, then I got through it real quick, you know, and then I just sat there the one afternoon and I was like, I think I can hear the electric meter running. And I started kind of panicking a little bit. <laughs> um, and, and the problem was, is I was like, oh boy, I cannot predict when I'm going to be busy in here. So I need to schedule the music out really far and like try to almost make as much as I want to make with music. And then during the daytimes, take whatever comes in the shop at, with, with, with like ease mm-hmm. and, and it's extra money. Um, cause I just didn't want to be, I didn't want opening this shop to be like stressful. Like it was sitting there knowing that I had bills racking up regardless of, of what kind of work or income I had. So, you know, it took a little bit to sort of get through that psychologically and, and stay positive and, you know, find ways to just, you know, the, it's like music performance isn't considered really a stable job, but mm-hmm. I, I can schedule it. And by the end of the year, I could, you know, say, hey, I'm going to book forty, fifty thousand dollars $50,000 worth of shows. And then I can kind of start, you know, relaxing a little, little bit. And whatever comes through the shop is like kind of bonus money. Mm-hmm. So I kept this shop. Th- this shop has always felt like bonus like extra good you know like your side hustle yeah but like a good side hustle Mm -hmm. easy fun really cool side hustle you know um and it's it it certainly does more than than a side hustle but that's what i want to look at it as so that it doesn't ever stress me out you know yeah i i think that's really important you know and or that's like a really smart way of going about it because maybe we all are familiar with a guitar repair guy that's maybe kind of a a grump because he's kind of behind 50 guitars and, and it just is a lot of stress and maybe going into those jobs, like with that mindset, he's, you know, how can you do good work that way? You know, I think if you're stoked to go in and see what you're going to do today, you know, you have some fun projects coming up. I think you're going to just do even better work and, um, you know, that you're like pushing yourself to do your music. That also to me is very empowering because it's so easy to, just say, oh, the odds are stacked against me, and that you say, well, I'm I'm just gonna do this. I'm gonna book these shows, and I'm just gonna do it. And you know, every everything else is gonna work around that. And I don't know. I think that's really cool. Um, so, but um, I did have a question about going back to some of the Roberto Van stuff and kind of segueing into the next little bit. But I know I, I have been fortunate enough to uh, take the pickup whining class there and, you know, be in those hallowed walls and, and talk to some of the people there. And some of the dudes in the shop actually also completed the guitar craft course. But so I know that you have, you know, there's the guitar that you make. That's like your, your, you know, graduate, you know, you get to build it and that's your guitar. I mean, what was like that guitar? I mean, what were some of the specs and maybe how does it differ between some of the builds that you're doing now? I mean, what have you learned? But I'm curious yeah, about what you know, your first build was because I think oh, it says a lot first, about somebody. Yeah, my, my first my first builds are hanging right next to me. Um, um, I I love them more than than any other physical uh, object on earth. Mm-hmm. Um, I play them and them only like all the time. Um, <laughs> they're they're they're, the they're everything to me. They are, and you know the cool thing about Roberto Venn, I mean. Sort of like you go there and they're like, you know, they're, they're like cussing and they're, they're like, 
you know, that, it's not like some teacher at like a, an elementary school that has to really watch what they say. Mm-hmm. These guys are like hard school, super talented <laughs> um, woodshop workers, and they're also not going to let you mess around. They don't want anyone to get hurt, and that's a really serious thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they have to keep 35 newbies. I mean, anywhere from, I think there was like, you know, 35 is a very full class there, but there might have been 30 or something for us. Um, but they got to keep everybody moving and they got to keep everybody not messing up and they got to say, nope, you still didn't sand all of those 80 grit mm-hmm. scratches out. Don't come back to me until d- I don't want to tell you that again. You know, so they're, mm-hmm. they're pushing, they're just pushing everybody forward as best they can. But they, they promised us that if someone didn't do a good job of making a guitar, it's not leaving the building. It will be strung to a really high tension and shoved through a bandsaw and it'll explode and they'll do it in front of <laughs> To everybody so there was this sort of like gun to the head but this reassurance that i was like hey i mean I-, I went there knowing that i want this to be the best guitar that i could not afford with money out of my own pocket mm-hmm. i could afford to buy like a 200 hundred dollar koa top and like this old mahogany and these really nice hardware and then i could put in like so much blood sweat and tears mm-hmm. into it and and I'll have this like four thousand dollar custom guitar in my hands that I might have spent you know eight nine hundred bucks out of pocket, um, and then it'll be mine to play, and I'll go play gigs with it, and I'll make all that money with it every year. And when I moved back, um, I went to a studio pretty quick, and I was playing my acoustic, and the guy who was in there before me is quite a a, 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 a you know sort of a rabid uh, guitar collector. And he played my acoustic, which, you know, I was excited to let anyone play my guitars. You know, I was like, here, look what I made. I'm so excited. And it's so nice. It's like really, really, really a good guitar. And he played it and he was like, would you sell this? And I was like, no, no way. And he was like, he's like, I just spent like 12 grand on a custom. And this is this is nicer. Like, I'll give you 12 grand for this right now. And I was like, no way. And I always joked, like, if you had been measuring me, like my nervousness, like a polygraph, (laughs) If you would have been like measuring my reaction, like, did I, did I think about $12,000? That needle wouldn't have moved. I was like, no, no, absolutely not. Like, and I've made lots of like kind of inappropriate jokes about how I'm going to like be buried with this thing and no one gets it. And, you know, which I'm, I'm definitely going to leave it to somebody, but it, I'm just so attached to it um, from making it and, and this, this, the hardships I went through to build it and just the quality that came out of it. So that that school was like my favorite chapter in my entire life, mm. I think. And I've done some, I've done some pretty decent stuff. Um, but uh, actually it's funny because the, I'm looking at them now. So I made this like Koa electric. It was like a PRS style neck. Cause mm. I've never had one of those. I put mini humbuckers in it because Ooh. I never had mini humbuckers. Uh, mm. um, I did a reverse headstock because I always thought that was cool. Come to find out all guitars should be reverse headstock because of string tension and balance and, ergonomics and all that kind of stuff um i picked really really pretty woods i I just wanted the most expensive woods they had um especially with the acoustic because i was like you know acoustics are so expensive and i was like i'm never gonna be able to afford one of those that i'm gonna like so i need to make it while i'm here and then i made the resophonic guitar uh which was like sort of an expanse one of the teachers there um you know chris olson he he had he was always like his bench was above mine looking right down at me. So I always just felt like I was just being, it was like a hawk just over me. Oh yeah. Just this hawk of a guy just, but you know, he, he's a softy. Like, you know, if you, if you get him outside of class, he's a real sweetie. 
Um, but in class, man, he's all business and that, and that's good. But he had these resophonic sort of solid body kind of hybrid guitars. And I was playing it. And like, I was a, a good guitar player when I went there mm-hmm. and somehow they, they caught on to that. You know, I didn't go there to like, be like, Hey guys, just so you know, here's what I know. Here's I went my there demo. with an empty cup. <laughs> yeah. I went there with an empty cup. Like if I was testing my pickups, I just tapped on them with a screwdriver. I did not start ripping rake arpeggios all day. You know, it's like, all, that's like the one thing about guitar players. Sometimes it's like, man, just shut up yeah. and, and move on to the next thing. Like no one, no one cares how yeah. good you are, you know, like, but, um, I, I would play a little bit here and there. And then they sort of started handing me guitars to check them out. And mm. he let me take one of them home. And I loved it so much. I was like, can you show me how to make this for a third, like the extra credit <laughs> instrument? And they're sort of like, yeah, but you're on your own. We don't have time. We got to help everybody get their their electric and their acoustic done. So if your grades are good, you can do an extra, but you're on your own, which they kind of like helped here and there, you know, like they were tough love, but they, they really wanted to help you. Um, but yeah, the, those three guitars are the best and they, all the electrics are loaded with porters. I don't have anything. Funnily enough, I've, I've put your pickups in every guitar I've built That's since awesome. that school. And, and then I replaced the pickups that were in my guitars with your pickups. Goodness. That's awesome. I was trying to figure out when we first started um, co- like having communication. I think like technically you've been working us with us for quite a while. Um, I, can't, I, mean, I honestly shop, can't remember the first time. My shop uh, had its 10-year anniversary uh, in April of this year. Congrats. And man, oh yeah, thanks. Uh, I know it's it, th- that was a weird, it's like time flew. I was like, there was something settling about that. Like I could almost do something else now and this will always be here. And um, there's some sort of sense of accomplishment of that for sure. Um, there's a lot more to learn and go. Uh, but that, that was a cool, a cool, um, a cool landmark uh, yeah. milestone. But I mean, I think probably, I know we connected through Instagram. Um, you know, and I think, man, I mean, it couldn't have been, I, I'm trying to think of when I completed a first guitar or started a first custom order. I mean, I, your pickups went in the first one I built when I got back from school. Mm. So, I mean, it, it's probably nine and a half years, maybe we've been, maybe, maybe it's 10, it's 10 by now. I bet. Yeah. Like, that's, t- that's To this day, it's probably 10 years that I've been ordering pickups from you. That's crazy. Yeah. And that's kind of why I think we wanted to bring you on because you've kind of, uh, You've kind of been with us in in our early days. I mean, we were a couple of years in yeah. at that point, but um, yeah, just kind of kind of some of these guys we've been uh, been on these trajectories and at different times, but our paths cross, and we have a chance to promote the builds that you're doing. and And I really think like the way you, your mindset is really cool because um, you know do whatever you can to make it work, whether it's you know working a side job, whether it's um, I remember what my wife and I were like in this point with Porter was about halftime and um, I was teaching guitar and she was working at Starbucks and we had to figure out like when we were ready to make this jump. And there wasn't like this clear like, hey, you just signed on, you know, John Mayer. And so you're you're going full time. You know, it's like it never it never really works that way for most people. Um, It was like you got isn't that funny. Yeah, you got to take. That's you, what they always think, though. You know, like oh, some 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 really fancy guy. If he gets your guitar, or your pickups in his hand, then your whole life's going to change. And I'm like, I don't know. They're yeah. they're they're, be, they're beholden to f- contracts with large companies. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> exactly. So I think the the thing I I really wanted to ask you about is um, kind of the importance of continuing to play and create music 
um, on top mm-hmm. on top of building and fixing guitars. I mean, I think that we get into this trap all the time where we're just making pickups and 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 repairing stuff and and sometimes we just forget to play the instrument. And so, like, maybe talk about kind of that the point of keeping that alive, if if you will. Oh well, you know, I, I think that that um, I think that they they should go hand in hand. You know, I mean, like if like if you didn't play guitar and you made pickups as well as you do, that would be an anomaly. You know, that would be mm-hmm. some like I don't know how he did it. I mean, because you know, you, like like I I say, you can there are there's a a list of measurements that you can build a guitar part by part. And as long as you're like accurate and you follow the center line and you keep the joints tight, you know, it'll probably be okay. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can make a beautiful guitar without knowing anything about playing music, but it's almost like the setup department at the end is, is so important. And, you know, I don't know how many brand new guitars come to me and then I have to do like, you know, I always have to file the nut slots down Mm -hmm. more because they're just generically left high. Yes. Um, you know, the, the the fret ends are just not dressed. I think the first thing I do when I grab a guitar is try to cut my hand open on the frets, <laughs> you know, which it, it's a really weird <laughs> risk I take every time. You know, I'm like, why? Because there's been times I do that. I'm like, dude, why? Why? Maybe you slow down a little bit. It's like, but that's like some like test. I mean, as soon as I pick up a guitar, I'm looking and feeling for like all these things that are not buttery mm. and not perfect. And like, I mean, when I do fret jobs, the last thing is I sand I take the sanding block not the length of the neck, but across the frets because you're going to mm. bend across that, and all those little scratches can be going perpendicular mm. or with your strings. And you know, I mean, I could probably do 220 as a final step if I sanded the right direction; it would feel smooth. Interesting. Um, hmm. I never quite thought yeah, about so, it like that. Yeah. So those are little things that, like, as a player, man, I just want the guitar to. Like I always joke, I'm like the guitar is hard enough to play, and it's a humbling instrument. Yes. So why why should any setting be like off? Yeah. Like why don't we optimize this thing? And then the funny thing is, the rest of it is your fault as a player. But but there's some there's some objectivity there. Like you know you can work on that, and I can work on your guitar, and we can get close to a thing like, hey man, everything works the way it's supposed to. Any gap we have here needs to be closed with more practice and and other things. But, you know, it's like some people are like, oh, the struggle of playing a crappy guitar with high action. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, yeah, when you're a kid, that's fine or or, or in the beginning. But after that, it's like grow up and get a sharp knife. You know what I mean? Figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Invest in this thing and like maintain it. And like there are proper settings if the intonation's off. I mean, guys, you might grow weather. yeah, there's, I mean, the, what, what's nice here is in the, the, the Northeast. I mean, it's, you know, right. that, what's that meme of that meme of the guy in the yellow suit behind the tree, like rubbing his hands together. Like, you know, he's, he, you know, he's like, there's some opportunity for him. It's oh, like, man, whenever that, even... like, whenever, whenever I kick on my heat, uh, I'm like, I'm going to start making some spruce cleats. <laughs> I'm going to be a nice guy and I'm going to go on Facebook. Actually, I'll probably do it soon here and be like, Hey, everybody, $10 humidifier, put it between your strings, close the case, and check it a couple times a week. Mm. Otherwise, it's $25 per cleat, and I'll see you inevitably otherwise, you know? Yeah. And so some days I'll just grab my, like, scrap sprues and start cranking out little cleats and just put them in a little baggie and, you know, mm, just get them go. ready to get start, ready. like, making money off, yeah, the humidity shifts. And then, yeah, um, cracking. Yeah, goodness. 
but like playing i i think like i know some guys who like work on guitars that don't play and you know i i, I just don't know i i i have to think that that i'm gonna have a better setup than them because i go beyond the the, the calipers and and the six inch ruler and, and all that i mean i sit down and play these guitars and test them and make sure that I, I it feels effortless for me to play them before they leave the shop and so i, I think the the playing part is really important and also as a, a guitar maker you know as a tech i see things that are annoying to work on as you know like a, a guitar tech some guitars i'm like ugh, like a hollow body 335 Can you swap my pickups like no i'd rather die you know yeah. <laughs> i'd rather die <laughs> you know like I, there's a fun. lot i'd rather do than that Oh, I, I mean, like, I, I always joke, if I could hop in a time machine and go back and change a few things, that would be one of them. <laughs> you know? Or at like, least put a cavity talk, on the back. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, that's what I mean. A cavity. I mean, like, I was like, they used to wire them up and then spray them and, like, glue them together afterwards. Oh I'm like, goodness. you guys, like, like no foresight. It's almost like the, you know, I, I had a really old telly come in that's worth a lot of money and the frets are worn down to the bone and the guy wants a simple refret. And I'm like... Uh, the, the lacquer is holding these frets in. Like it was kind of a, you know, it was meant, it was meant to be a throwaway replacement neck, but no one thought that in 60, 70 years, these guitars could be worth, you know, five, six figures in good playing condition without a refinish. And I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to like not refinish your neck Mm -hmm. or at least the top of it. So, um, but you know, I think all of it together, a repair tech helps a builder and a guitar player helps all of that. And so I, I luckily can obsess on all these things. Um, you know, it, it, it makes my mind at ease. I'm kind of a hyper guy. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, you know, the, the, all these difficult tasks and, and these satisfying rewards um, can actually get me to sleep, you know, mm-hmm. uh, at, at some point at the end of the day. So, but I think playing is really, really important. I'm sure you can do it without it, but I, I think you do it better uh I, I, the, the better the player you are the more you'll understand what a good setup is and what a good sounding guitar is mm-hmm. and what a good playing guitar is because th- those are those are qualities that you need to have met you know f- to play your instrument um really really well so i think it all it's like one circle of life there you know yeah and um well and i think that like out of the love of playing it's like in all the hours that you pour in like when you do pick up a guitar you almost like you know where to feel like you're saying like you know the first thing you look is this and um well and it like i guess maybe i think leo fender wasn't really even a player but he was able to kind of design this platform but he was always like handing it off to oh you know hey what do you think of this jazz master hey what do you think you know he was giving these guitars out to to serious players to to test them and because he knew that they would be able to tell them where to feel and where the er- areas that issues are. And yeah. And then that all is just in the effort to perpetuate the music, I guess, what, you know, gets us going in the first place, what starts the spark. <coughs> yeah. And, you know, I, I love to have other people test my guitars too. I mean, I was just thinking, you know, you know, like when you pick up a guitar, you have that like, that open E lick that you just have mm-hmm. to do every time you pick up a guitar, you know, <laughs> but, but, yeah. but that, that, that becomes like a baseline, you know, at first I was like, man, you got to like switch it up. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this is some weird plateau of yours, but I, I also think it's like, this is how I, I check a guitar. It's like dipping my toe in, mm-hmm. um, you know? So I, I think that 
you know, using that to check everything is cool. But then also like, I have to remember too, that like, I don't know everything and other people like other stuff. Mm-hmm. And so what I, what I like to do is I like to have a lot of guys, like when I build a guitar, I, I have to do this careful thing. Like, Hey, some guy just paid me a lot of money and this is his girlfriend, but I want you guys to come over before I give it to him. I'm like not giving it to him right away. I need a couple of you to come play this. Like, mm. don't, you know, just wear a t-shirt take your pocket knife out, yeah. you know, like check your pocket, take your rings off no buttons, and like give, <laughs> give this thing a careful demo for me. Um, because I, I, I need that feedback. And then I, I want to get like more than just me thinking that I'm an awesome guitar maker, mm. uh, before I, I present to a customer just out of like due diligence, you know, I mean, I'm, uh, I, I, I like to get a few opinions on it besides my own to be careful, uh, in principle. And then, uh, I also like people to to experience them. You know, some of these guys, like they get really excited to like, it's a custom guitar that their buddy made and he calls me and I get to go over and play it before the owner does. And so there's uh there's, you know, get, getting that feedback on stuff is, is really important. I think, cause at the end of the day, we just want to connect with these instruments and we want them to feel good, sound good, play good, look good all that stuff. And, you know, it's important to, to, to have some points of reference for that. So. Yeah. It sounds like it's like a private little listening party for your, for your privileged, uh, yeah. group there. Oh, yeah, exactly. And, uh, yep, I mean, exactly. And then just, I guess just as a maker, I, I think it's cool. Like, or one of the things that I like to, you know, mention to people, it's like, to me, the greatest compliment is like, yeah, I guess I had a hand in making that pickup or whatever, but when I hand it to somebody and say, Oh, check this out. And they just, they can't seem to like stop, you know? And I'm like, Oh, okay, cool. Like to me, that is like such a a rewarding moment too that, you know, it's like, we're not, it's like they say that when, you know, when everyone's really hungry because no one's talking at the dinner table and we're all just, you know, stuff in our faces. But when the individual that's playing what you made and poured your heart and soul into is just like, they they just can't stop. You know, I think it's a really cool feeling. Yeah. That's the best reward is when, you know, I mean, even like a guitar setup, you know, people will have like, let's say you have five guitars and, oh, I heard this guy like gives good setups. So I'm going to take one guitar down there and I'm going to, I'm going to see, see how, how he is. And my goal is to make all of your other guitars feel like total crap. Uh, after I've got my hands on one of them. So then you're like, oh, I don't even like my other guitars. I'm going to have to pay this guy to fix them. And same with a, a, a custom build. I'm like, I don't, I want you to become like a, uh, a, 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 a monogamous, you know, guitar player now, <laughs> um, you know, and, and like, I want you to just not really dig your other guitars anymore. I want you to go home and realize like, you know, this, this, this USA, you know, modern Fender I have, or even worse like this USA, this, oh, this Les Paul that just came out with all this fake stuff in it. Um, it's just not as good a guitar. Like, wow. You know? And it's like, um, and, and also like, you know, like I I'll say about pickups, you know, I think when I, when I first connected with you, I was like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm using like the best woods. I'm using high end aftermarket tuners and hardware. Uh, I'm using like the Emerson CTS pro pots, which I was going to say too. I think Emerson and Porter and rattlesnake, like all, all these people like that I sort of, connected with in the very beginning and like I've, I've watched grow and like been able to still like, like you know texting 
and get a, a special pickup made. You know, th- that's been a really cool part of the journey. And I love watching everyone expand and just like killing it. But I think, you know, I was like, in principle, I need, if I'm going to be putting all this other nice stuff into a, a guitar, like I didn't want to see Seymour Duncan written on there. That's like Sam Adams of, of micro brewing now, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it's just, at some point, you get too big and it's not the same. Like Seymour Duncan didn't, didn't wind that thing, you know, like mm-hmm. one of a hundred people in the shop and they're still quality pickups. I think they're expensive for what they are compared to like, what, like something more special, like, like a, a custom boutique brand like you. Um, I just wanted to work with someone like that and you were easy to work with. And then I got every pickup I got, I was like, this thing is kind of, kind of has its own magic outside of me and what I've done this thing is actually bringing something extra into the guitar. You know, Hmm. it's like at the end of the day, like a certain gauge of wire wrapped X amount of times around a certain type of magnet. It's like pickup pickups can get a little cork sniffy to me. Like Mm -hmm. I think, (laughs) I think other, uh, I mean, guys who are making good pickups out of good parts at like a sort of smaller platform are, are, are better to me. I don't know if I would be able to hear a real distinct difference between your PAFs and someone else's PFs that were made like pretty much the same way. But there's something magical about these, these smaller companies. And, 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 and I just, you know, I feel like that's what should be in my guitar in essence. And I'm lucky that, you know, um, just trying to like keep the products that the parts going into my guitars, like there's a philosophy to that. And, but, but I always think that like, there's like a sterility to like big mass pit mass made pickups. And there's just something extra like i i i hope i i got like not exactly the same amount of wines as some other pickup i know there's a lot of control and a lot of accuracy but to me it's like if there's something just a little unique about that, that that's more likely to happen with a smaller company that, that can be magic itself you know it's like that part is is contributing something unique mm. to to the instrument and i've just always loved when i plug in a guitar and uh, here, like, you know, feel my craftsmanship, hear your craftsmanship here. I mean, I put Emerson in everything now, you know, and the nice thing is, too, I get to tell people, like, I swap cheap parts out on their guitars all the time. Mm-hmm. And I have to sort of make them feel okay. Like, oh, you bought a brand new guitar from a big, reputable brand. And all of a sudden, you need a new output jack because the accountants saved a lot of money for yeah. the shareholders by t- by taking a, a, a i mean what's a switchcraft jack really cost like four bucks mm-hmm. you can't charge me four bucks more and put that in you know <laughs> this guitar is one thousand and fifty three dollars now instead of like you know 14.99 but it's mm-hmm. like I, I i i hate the feeling when people um they're like well i just bought this and you're telling me that my pot's scratchy um, the tone cap's crappy, the, the output jack's going, the switch failed in like six months, like all that stuff. Um, you know, I, I hate to be that bearer of bad news. And sometimes people look at me like, are you up, are you upselling me on something? And I'm like, no, you got upsold by the first people. Um, <laughs> I'm just trying, I'm, I'm just trying to fix it. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, so, but what I want is when someone buys a guitar from me and we put all this good stuff in there. They don't have to really see me for a couple of years if they don't want to, besides just like sending me texts, like how much they love their guitar. Mm-hmm. But um, like I'll do a follow up checkup and then I hope that thing just does what the old guitars did and they just work for a long time, mm-hmm. you know? And I think like Bone Nuts, that, that, that was in the first, you know, Fender guitars and, and Les Paul's, you know, full size pots from like CTS, yeah. you know, like 
I mean, like good stuff was in there, hand wound things. And now they just keep cutting corners and um, lowering the quality. So I just, you know, I think the the quality of, of the components going into these expensive guitars justifies all of it. And you save money in the long run and you have a, be- you have a better time playing it. You want to play more when you plug in, you yeah. just want to keep going. Yeah. And that's the, uh, that's just the desired effect there. And, and well, I mean, I appreciate you saying that stuff. Um, you said a lot of kind things about what we're doing here and, and I can definitely attest to that, that human element and that hand wound mojo that, you know, you know, after a while you develop your process and you kind of, you've got all your muscle memories down and you do your, your process. And so some things are so the same every time, but there is always that, you know, this one's just a little bit different and, you can have the same number of turns around a coil, but for whatever reason, they're just going to read slightly different resistances, you know, and, mm-hmm. and, but just, yeah, I don't know, going through and like that critical thinking of every step of the way, because I think that, you know, it's like, what is a good pickup? Everybody makes a good pickup, but what is it? And it's not any one thing. It's like literally a million little things every single step of the way and every single step impacts the final product. And, and just that you said that, you know, makes the last, few years that I've been, you know, leaning my efforts this way is, is just good. And yeah, it's cool to finally connect. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and you know, um, I, I also think when, if there's that little uniqueness of a pickup, um, I I feel like I'd rather learn to play with that Mm -hmm. and like learn how to harness that. And then that gives me an even more unique tone. You know, Mm -hmm. sometimes it's like, that that slight little difference, uh, I think a guitar player, a good guitar player, like adapts to it, mm. and uh, and and harnesses it, you know. Yeah. And and it's just you know because we all want to be individual guitar players. I mean, I've I've done my 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 hours of copying Stevie Ray Vaughan as best I could, <laughs> and copying Clapton, and yeah. copying Hendrix, and copying BB King. But I, I've I've tried to in the end. I don't want I, I don't want to sound you know. It's like you get off like oh man, your voice. You know who you remind me of? Uh, yeah. You know, someone's like, you know, you really sound like a young Joe Cocker. I'm like, ah, <laughs> like, like cool, but like, I, I'm trying to like sound like me, trying you know? To do my thing. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So at the at the end, I think the more uniqueness in an instrument, um, it it gives us the opportunity to be the individual musicians we want, and you know, I think that's the coolest thing. Mm. Yeah. Well, and I guess um, just one another, I guess going into the next topic here and you kind of touched on it and you're like, yeah, we've been kind of doing business for, you know, the better part of 10 years and, you know, Mm -hmm. through ups and downs and businesses are not always easy, but obviously we all got a big like wrench thrown in our world, like, you know, the last year and (coughs) and change with the COVID thing. I mean, how, how have you like navigated and do you, did you feel like kind of super stressed out when everything really started to hit the fan or, I mean, what was your kind yeah, of mindset going into it? And, and thankfully we were, we're all still here to be, be having this podcast and, <laughs> you know, having the yeah, work and time uh, to be able to do this. Boy, you know, we, we were saying earlier, like, uh, touching on like my sort of business model is, is fun and cool and balanced. Right. Yeah. And, and I always thought that, um, and when, when COVID hit, it, it wrecked the entire thing the music, for like, yeah. Oh, I mean the music gone. Now, mm-hmm. now Grant, it, I was I was on tour. I was wow. out and um I was doing like I was doing an 8-day residency gig uh in Telluride. I was snowboarding, riding the gondolas, wow. playing a show every day, you know. I mean all expenses 
Oh, it, it was so cool. And then I remember like my, my buddy was coming up to and from Durango to play bass with me on like half the shows. And he was like, man, he's like, there's no toilet paper at the grocery store in, in Durango, Colorado. And I'm like, Oh, that's weird. And I'm, I'm like, I'm like not watching the news. I don't know what's going on. This is like March 2nd through March 11th. Okay. And, uh, and then I, I would like come out of this sort of work. It was like a big ski resort, it was sort of a work dormitory. And they gave me a room in there and I'd come out. I'd, I literally had to snowboard to like half of these gigs with my guitar in my hand because they were like mid mountain and there's nice. no roads. <laughs> wow. So, um, but so I would go out to the gondola and ride that all over the place. And then next thing I know, they're like spraying it down. And I'm like, I, I freaked out because I like, I thought it was bleach the one time it was soaked. And I was like, dude, this is a really expensive jacket and a really expensive <laughs> pair of pants. And I'm probably the poorest guy here. And they wouldn't spray this with bleach, would they? Yeah. So, but like, I, I, I couldn't really tell what was happening. And then I, I had to come home because um, they just shut everything down mm-hmm. uh, like on March 13th. And I was like, I better get back to my shop apparently. Apparently people are boarding up their windows and people are, you know, the, the world's about to end, yeah. you know? And, uh, and I, I came back and, uh, you know, bunkered down and, um, but on my way home, I saw people like sort of just turning their phones on selfie mode and playing for like, here's a digital tip jar and all that. And mm-hmm. I was like, hey, their shirts backwards and they're left-handed. And that sounds like they're in a cave. I was like, that's cool. And like, uh, that's convenient. And I respect this attempt, but I was like, I wonder I wonder how I could get like a direct board send out of my like system downstairs into my iPhone mm-hmm. and like put on like a CD quality show. So I, I leaned into live streaming and, and like that was kind of a neat little bubble. Um, I wasn't allowed to have the shop open legally for a while, mm-hmm. um, you know, but uh, it, it was really weird. I mean, I, I for the first time in my life, I took uh, like the gig worker unemployment, you know, because I was like, I can't risk losing all this. And I was applying for the proper business grants that I'd qualify for, mm-hmm. um, you know, just to survive. Cause I, I bought a new building and I was like, I cannot like miss a mortgage payment. Yeah. Um, I can't, I can't lose all this. And like, there's nothing I can do. You know, I, I joked, I was like, man, I went on unemployment and stopped going out to bars and I thought it was going to take something smaller than a, a global pandemic, but I was a little proud that that's what it took, you know? <laughs> um, but uh you know there was a lot of a lot of weird stuff like once we were able to open again there was this um this renaissance and like you know i'm gonna get my guitar tuned up because now i finally have time to play mm-hmm. like everybody kind of slowed down got off the rat the rat race uh, off the hamster wheel a little bit and there was definitely a boost in guitar repairs and i was down here just cranking it out for survival yeah. and then i would do a lot I've streamed every couple weeks. Um, but funnily enough, like, you know, some retail experiences were pretty tough during that time. A lot of people angry about stuff and bringing it into my store, the mask or no mask thing. I mean, mm-hmm. uh, I, I was trying to err on the side of caution, not make any mistakes I'd regret mm-hmm. later, not say mean things and then have one of my parents die and be like, oh, it, it is real. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I didn't want to, I, I'm an empathetic, nice guy. I'm a philosopher. Like I, I thought ahead. I put myself in other people's shoes. I realized that, bigger cities that looked different than where I was, Mm -hmm. but that could change because we have stuff coming in and people driving through. But, you know, I mean, it really changed everything. Um, It kind of, it kind of burnt me out a little bit, if I'm being honest. Um, I think I had like three guys who were really good customers just lose their minds on me. And I was like, Mm -hmm. I I don't want to do it. I don't want to do any of this anymore. And, and, and I don't think that gigs are still coming back or, or stable for now. Yeah. Um, 
So, you know, I don't know if you saw like on my social media or anything, but I mean, someone called me and asked me if I wanted to be the, 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 the charming face of the Jerry Garcia cannabis company <laughs> and drive around this big half million dollar custom tricked out RV and just go do that. And, and you're and like, uh, I, what? <laughs> uh, it was like a big salary and like stuff like that. And I was like, you know, I had my 10 year, I made my, my own album in a home studio uh, and put that out and like I, I I adapted and I survived and it really just came down to like I'm gonna like put this on pause for a little bit and I'm gonna go out and do this other thing mm-hmm. and and I'm gonna I'm gonna readapt and actually I just took another job as a as a, a regional brand ambassador for a cannabis company and I'm gonna do that and I'm gonna put hours in in the evening here and I'm gonna play gigs on the weekends when I want to and I'm just gonna see where that takes me for now because you know, it was kind of scary uh, surviving all that. And I feel lucky I did. And I just know that, you know, other entities could take away all this cool stuff, um, you know, and m- maybe for, for a good cause. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm, 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 I'm still adapting and trying to figure it all out. You know, mm-hmm. I figure I'll, I'll never give any of this up and I'll, I'm going to keep a select customer clientele. Maybe I can just build guitars without needing, needing to worry about deposit money, just make them my way. Yeah. And when they're done... Uh, put them on the wall and sell them. You know, I'm I'm gonna try to figure all of it out. Yeah. Like I'm trying not to pull away too much, but I'm gonna put you know the initial eggs in another basket for a little bit. Yeah, plant some different seeds. You know, rotate yeah, those yeah, no, crops no, so you don't drain no, that soil. No, no puns intended there. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, well, and I think that's so cool that when everything did shut down, and I know that, it, that there was a kind of like a oh no, all the gigs are over, all, you know, music is dead and everything like that. But, you know, I think there's a lot of people that were just like, oh, well, we just have to adapt to a a different format, you know, and people kept making music and, you know, there's a lot of good music that was written over this, like, shutdown, quarantine time, like, what's going to happen? But, you know, us musicians have always done what we do and it's just, you know, get ourselves in our process and then just, you know, do what do what we do, I guess. So that's, that's yeah, I set up a set up a home recording studio. I tried to make it sort of a uh, a sort of a challenge. Like I was like, you know, these like uh, I, I got a new MacBook. I got Logic Pro. I like learned Logic Pro. I mean, there's a lot more to learn, but I learned it pretty well. I was plugging my guitars direct into an audio interface, not even miking my good amps. I was like trying to be like, man, what if I had a backpack full of stuff? <laughs> could, could could I make an album? Yeah. Like, and, um, I, I made an entire album, uh, and it's funny because I was just making these sort of instrumental grooves, you know, everyone was just talking and yelling and complaining and like inventing and like, I, I understand all of it, but I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's overwhelming for me at some point. Yeah. So I, I started making these in, instrumental grooves. I was really into lo-fi cause that was relaxing and like mm-hmm. hip hop dilla beat with cool jazz licks and like yeah. but just simple you know i like how and that's so kinda, i was making that, that i like that yeah. that's a sound but yeah <laughs> yeah well I, I was making these um i was making these sort of beats like that and uh I, I played it for a musician friend of mine and she was like oh man this it sounds really good like who is this and i was like i, I recorded this in in that like spare bedroom <laughs> that i've converted into a recording studio and she was like, whoa, that's so cool. She's like, well, so you're going to write lyrics? And, and I just remember sitting there for a minute. I was like, no, I don't really want to talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, uh, it 
the light went off again and I was like, I'm going to do like an instrumental album called I Don't Want to Talk About It. <laughs> and it's going to be done through the pandemic year. I made it a time capsule. Like when I was doing the final mixing, like in 2021, um, there was like some weird bass note and the guy was like, oh, do you want to reperform that? And I was like, no, we're not allowed to do anything to this. That's a t- it's a time capsule. It's like, done. W- 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 <laughs> yeah, we can copy and paste or we can leave it. I, I-, I don't care. Yeah. But I'm I'm letting it go. Like it was funny. I would take one guitar solo and it was it it was clean and I'd be like, oh, uh, moving on. Done. And they're like, what? You don't want to throw like twenty guitar solos <laughs> at it? You don't want to you don't want to haunt you don't want to torture yourself for the next three hours on guitar solos and then end up with the first one anyways. <laughs> and I was like, Nope, I'm letting it go. And I just it was, I think it was because I was so maxed out and stressed mm. out in some ways that I, I couldn't I couldn't allow myself to to add on too much stress to my life. So I just kind of like became very Zen and relaxed about it and like accepted myself and and whatever quality of musician I was at the time Mm -hmm. and, um, made that whole album and put it out. And, uh, you know, it it was, it it got me through like all of that time. I I swear I was just trying to occupy myself. And then I had 11 tracks that sounded pretty dope. And I was like, I guess I'll put out an album. I (laughs) guess I have an album now. Hmm. That's, that's really cool. Yeah. Well, Sean, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna hit you with a handful of rapid fire questions as we kind of close out this this show. So, are you ready? Yes. Okay. I'll, I'll go first. I got a couple for you, and then Marco's got a few for you. So, um, kind of the first thing that comes to your head when we ask you these questions. All right. Okay. So, first one is: What is the craziest guitar repair you have done? Um, a guy rolled his truck down a mountain. Uh, 1800 feet, his ES-335 became the seatbelt, saved his life, was smashed to pieces. And three years later, his sister brought it to me and I completely put it back together and you can't even tell it was ever broken. Wow. Wow. That's amazing. That's amazing. Is there a photo of that? Like, do you have a before and after photo somewhere? There's like a 12 photo series on my Instagram. Um, it was the most liked, it was the most liked post I've ever had on there. Um, I forget how many thousands of, of views it got, but I mean, this was like even better than BB King's Lucille story. Okay. Um, so yeah, <laughs> we're, we're going to definitely check that out uh, after we finish. Okay. And then the next question, very simply strat or telly, uh, strat. Okay. And a, and a quick answer. Why? Um, the second position, the out of phase Ooh. neck and middle, uh, you know, Jimi Hendrix. I mean, all my favorite guys, it was a strat. I love tellies. Um, but the Strat, I, I didn't have one for like three years because I, I built other guitars. And then when I built one, I plucked that low E and I, I decided not to sell that guitar. Nice. <laughs> nice. Okay. So, that's that's yeah. a, good, a good answer, I think. Okay. And then we, yeah. we, we ask a lot of our guests the um, a modified kind of desert island question, which is um, if you only had one guitar, one pedal, and one amp, what would those three be? Uh, the first electric I built. Um, my vintage Tube Screamer TSO8 and uh, the custom uh, like Super Princeton that I, I helped some guy build with me. Mm. Nice. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Well, now mine here. Um, tell us in about less than a minute why tone woods do or don't matter. Um, <laughs> uh, tone woods do matter because they actually do affect the sound. Um, I think I've found combinations of them, uh, the, the balance, I think there's dark sounding woods, there's bright sounding woods. I think when people talk about the fretboard sound, I get a little annoyed and think that's cork sniffy because of (laughs) all the other things that affect it before that. And I just want to use ebony because it's black and looks cool and it's easy to inlay. 
and it lasts forever and it contrasts everything. Um, but tone woods matter more on acoustic guitars than electrics, but they absolutely matter on, on electrics. And I think, um, I try to balance the tonal expectations of them with the aesthetics that I'm going for. So I really want it to look pretty. It's got to sound and line up, um, you know, tonally, but, uh, it's just a balance of all that, I think. Oh cool. yeah, I definitely uh, agree. Um, what what are one or two artists that you're listening to right now? And it can be any kind of thing, somebody's band camp, whatever. <laughs> but what do you got on your um, rotation right now? Right now, uh, I've been listening to Penny and Sparrow, mm. and uh, I've been l- listening to uh, to to Illmatic by Nas. Those oh, are the two. Cool. One's like a real r- real sappy, like uh, ethereal, you know. You know, lo- lovey kind of music that's really interesting, and then the other one is just some, you know, some good old school rap gets me pumped up. Yeah, there's that yin and that yang. That's cool. I like that. And yeah. I guess now, just the last one is uh, maybe just a quick little insight into your songwriting process. What uh, what's what's the most effective one? Because I know that songs come up come about many different ways, and what just seems to be what works for you. You know, that's that's interesting timing on that because I usually think that you know oh this epiphany has to strike you yeah um i i usually come up with a catchphrase and then i try to figure out if a minor chord or a major chord represents it the feeling of it mm. um but but it has to be this divine you know epiphany lightning strike thing and uh i'm i'm gonna release sometime soon i i'm co-writing with an adoptee from my adoption podcast project i work with mm. and she wrote a poem that i assigned her to and we, we've we've dialed it into song lyrics and then I had to bring it to life. And it's a really, really pretty emotional song. Um, and it was funny because they've been asking me when, when, when will it be done? And I'm like, ladies, that's not how this works. Okay. You know, I'm an artist. Uh, you know, it takes the time it takes, but I did a follow up call with her. I sat down, uh, I, I talked to her about it and I was like, all right, man, look, turn on your, all your fancy like mood lights, get a glass of wine, do whatever you got to do and just go sit in front of that computer and, and, and start making like a, a, a rhythm, a rhythm mm-hmm. floor. Yeah. And I stayed up until probably five in the morning and emailed them like the following morning. I was like, Hey, here's what I came up with last night. And they were all in tears and blubbering. And, wow, um, yeah. and then I've been polishing it ever since, but um, I, I've always written about travel mm-hmm. or, uh, or, you know, love or breakups are a favorite. Um, the last album I did, didn't talk about anything and it was called, I don't want to talk about it. And (laughs) now I actually, and now I feel like really talking some shit. So I think, um, I'm going to write the next album. It's called let's talk about it. (laughs) And I'm going to like actually bear my soul and let it all out and get it off my chest, um, as a way to sort of like wash the last two years away and try to start fresh, you know, just, just admit to everything, talk about everything, um, you know, some people are going to be like, Oh, <laughs> like, you know, they're just like, Oh shit, that's about me. And, um, you know, they're, they're, they're going to just, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell all the, all the things that have happened recently and, uh, and then move on and figure out what the next project's going to be. That's awesome. Well, that's a really cool, uh, a cool way to do stuff through music. Obviously we're all impacted by music and the creation of music and just the way that, that it can deal with, pretty much any emotion, any band that you want to listen to. And well, we, we appreciate you being on the show today, Sean. And, and I guess as we close here, um, maybe just a couple links to your website, your social media. We'll include those in the show notes down there for people who are interested in seeing um, 
you know, Sean's social media feed and, and heading to his website to kind of see what he's all about. Yeah, I would say, you know, the social media feeds are, are the best. I mean, I have the Guitarly's handle. I also have the Farley Guitars handle, which is a little more focused on the custom builds that I've done. And then I have a, a Sean Farley Music Instagram handle and like, um, you know, Facebook page. I really haven't spent much time on my websites uh, in the last two years, actually. They're probably... They, they probably all need updated. I kind of want to combine the Sean Farley music and the guitar lease thing now mm-hmm. um, and just do a more focused, better website on that. Um, but, you know, the Instagram and the, the Facebook feeds are what I kind of stay more active on. Um, all my music is on, uh, you know, it's on the all the different digital distribution stuff. Um, the last album was solely released uh, through things like Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff. So, you know, it's not making any money, but it's it's out there for everybody to just enjoy. Um, so yeah, I would definitely encourage people to check out that last album. Um, yeah. That was sort of my my favorite one so far. It's like if I listen to the first one, I'm like, ugh, grow up. And then this last one, I was like, cool. You know, that's awesome. Well, so, Sean, Sean, thanks so much for being on the show today. We enjoyed this conversation quite a bit. Um, pretty wide ranging conversation, but uh, yeah, I appreciate you being on and and obviously just a. Just a personal thank you for for your business over the years, and we're excited to uh, to do more crazy guitar projects uh, with you in the future. Yeah, man, I'm I'm, I'm going to have a couple coming up here, so I'll be in touch soon. Excellent.